Did you hear that? Biden just called us all stupid. Too dumb to understand the trucking and shipping crisis. I'm Martin Moyer, your host of Shout Out Patriots. I'm joined with Pastor Jason Bender of the Patriot Church. Today, we have a special guest, the CEO of Southwestern Trucking, Bob Hinkle. Together, we're going to break down the shipping mess in a segment we're calling Supply Chain Crisis for Dummies. We got you, Biden. We're not as dumb as you think we are. All right, so I'm Martin Moyer, your host of Shout Out Patriots. With me is Jason Bender of the Patriot Church. Say hello, Jason. Hello, hello. Great to be here again, Marty. And working the control panel is Michael. Say hello, Michael. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Glad to have you back. All right, we got a special guest with us today on our show. I want to talk a little bit about this show. It's kind of unusual for us to get involved into economic issues. None of us here are experts on it. But... President Biden said that uh, we can't understand the supply chain crisis and he wasn't going to explain it to us, implying that we're just too stupid to understand it. So we're going to see if we are that dumb or not. So we're going to break down the supply chain crisis and see if everybody else out there can follow what we're talking about. So to help us on this journey is Bob Hinkle, the CEO of Southwestern uh, trucking, and he's based in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, uh, as in all fairness, Bob Hinkle's also a board member of the Christian Action Network, which is producing uh, Shout Out Patriots. But uh, welcome, Bob, to the show. Hey, everybody, and good evening. Thanks for having me, Marty. Hey, no problem. You sound good. All right. So, wow, you know, um, I would say understanding the supply chain crisis does take some time. It's not simple. There's a lot of moving, moving parts in it. Uh, but to say that we can't understand it because we're not smart enough, I think is, a, well, it's an overstatement, right? It reminds me of a parent who doesn't want to answer their child, so they go, well, uh, it's because I said so. And that's all you need to know. And I think what Biden is basically telling us is that the government has so screwed up our economy over its multiple efforts to solve what they believe is a COVID death crisis that they don't want to admit to us that they are responsible for this supply chain crisis that we're all under. So he's just saying, you're just too dumb to understand it. Therefore, I'm not going to answer the question, right? So I'm going to briefly, real briefly here, go through what we're going through as far as trying to get supplies into our homes this Christmas season. So we all know that the genesis of the supply chain crisis is COVID. All right, so we've all heard about that disease, no sense uh, going into much details there. We know it caused lockdowns. We know uh, it caused a lot of factories to have to close. Uh, we know that a lot of people stayed home rather than go out shopping. And in response to that, the government decided it was going to hand out a bunch of stimulus checks, uh, both uh, to help you buy things, both to help you stay employed. Uh, they gave businesses a, um, a payroll protection plan in order to keep their employees. And we had all these people who were now at home rather than having a job, and they became bored. So let's keep it simple. They became bored sitting at home, 
and decided they were going to buy stuff because money was still coming in, even if they weren't working. So they went on the internet and they bought a bunch, a bunch of goods. And all of a sudden, all those goods are now coming to the United States and have been for quite some time. So to get to the ports in L.A. and Long Beach and the uh, ports in New Jersey and New York, and, well, guess what? There's no workers there to unload the ships, or not many of them, not many skilled workers to unload the ships. So the ships have to stay at sea while they wait during this very long process of going up through the queue to get those containers off the ship. But once they get the containers off the ship, they then need truck drivers in order to take them from there to the destination. But there's a shortage of truck drivers. So what do you do with all these containers when there's no truck drivers to take away the containers? Well, you have to put them in warehouses. Well, they've been put them in warehouses, but now all the warehouses are full. So if you don't have the workers to unload the containers and all the warehouses are full, the ship stays stuck at sea. And that is a tongue twister. Let's say that. Wow. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so they're out at sea and they're waiting, uh, you know, uh, many days, sometimes weeks in order to finally be able to get in to unload those uh, ships. Meanwhile, those ships are having to pay huge fines to the owners of those containers because they were supposed to have them back by now. And then when they unload them, uh, now they just sit there and they're kind of empty once they are unloaded and uh, put into uh, the goods put into the warehouses. And there are people out there that want those containers back, but there's no way to get the containers back. So this is kind of like a domino, right? You know, uh, the do head domino was uh, COVID, and then it just started knocking over one thing after another, after another, after another. And it was all engineered basically by, I guess, well-meaning government officials who thought they, in the end, were helping us get out of the COVID crisis. And what they did was create a huge, huge other crisis in place of it. And so now people are wondering uh, how long it's going to take for them to get their gifts this Christmas. Uh, I think uh, a UPS uh, carrier said that uh, you know, there's going to be millions and millions of packages a day that are not going to be delivered each day because there's no way to get those packages uh, from the docks and into people's homes. So Bob has been in the trucking business. How long, Bob? Uh, almost 24 years now. All right, so a uh, quarter of a century. Let's put it that way, right? Make it sound even yeah. older. Quarter of a century, <laughs> jeez. All right, so you've been for yeah, quite some right. time. Uh, you've seen the good times, you've seen the bad times. And, uh, you know, the people, the one thing they do know, they don't know about ships at sea and then coming from China or Southeast Asia and sitting at docks, but they do know about trucks, right? Because they see them on the road all the time. And yep. who can blame them for pointing their fingers at people like you for not giving them their goods this Christmas, right? So mm -hmm. uh, you've seen the good times, you've seen the bad times. What's it like right now for you as a owner of a trucking company? Well, first off, I'm not an uh, expert at the supply chain. I've spent the last 24 years actually trying to make money in the trucking business, which is a whole nother uh, story altogether. But I'm going to throw a little bit of a wrench into part of your lead up where everybody's been talking for years and years that there's this truck driver shortage okay and the government and the ata um, american trucking association has tried to cram this down our throats for years and years <clears throat> but the bottom line is is that they say it's eighty thousand drivers short but we literally give out four hundred thousand 
brand new commercial driver's license per year. So part of my argument with um, not being able to get the goods to the people is mostly because of the poor working conditions uh, that we have put our truck drivers um, uh, and made them, made them work in. Um, there are so many things that we can, I'm sure we'll go through a whole bunch of things uh, throughout the podcast, but that is one myth that I want to kind of debunk is that there is not a shortage and you can go out and drive. I don't know what the closest um, truck stop in uh, Lynchburg is, but you, you can try to stop at a truck stop in a truck at four o'clock in the afternoon and you're going to have a hard time finding a parking spot because every single truck stop is completely full. Okay. So we seem to have a bit of a freeze on Bob right now. So uh, I'm sure he'll be back in just a second. It looks like he is back. Um, okay. All right, go, go ahead again. Uh, you, you say the parking lots are full of truckers. The parking lots are full. You can go out and uh, drive to your local truck stop out on the highway and you can find that out. Me as a, as a truck driver over the last few years, I would literally have to stop at four or five o'clock in the afternoon when I really wanted to work later. Let's say I wanted to work till seven or eight or nine o'clock at night. I couldn't do that because I was hunting for a parking spot because everything filled up. Uh, digging around today, I found some stats uh, that made sense to me, and truck drivers actually spend 56 minutes each day hunting for parking spots. Can you believe that? Wow, that is that's quite amazing. So, so is that um, part of the, I guess, the bad working conditions that you were talking about, or is it just overworked? Um, that is part of the uh, poor working conditions uh, for sure. Um, there's a whole lot more. I mean, uh, they put us under these restrictions on how many hours we uh, need to uh, work per day. Um, they tell us when we can drive, when we can sleep. The average truck driver spends 240 nights away from home per year. Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's something that somebody really, it's a lifestyle. It really isn't an occupation is what I'm trying to get at. And if you, if you have a home life that you want to be home on the weekends, this, that, and the other, chances are if you want to make some money, you're going to have to stay out. I mean, some of these drivers are staying out months and months at a time. And um, if you got kids at home or, and a wife that you want to be with on the weekends, that's a tough life, you know? Yeah, so, so Bob, l let, me, let me ask you a question then. So we're talking about a potential trucking shortage of workers, right? It seems like you're telling us that it's the exact opposite, that there's an overage. Is that correct? I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't go or, as far as Or is it just, is it just, or Bob, is it just that the conditions aren't satisfied and, and you know, um, necessary for the amount of workers out there? Well, is that what you're saying? Let me, let me, let me explain a, a um, an average workday for a driver. Um, you get in your truck at six, seven o'clock in the morning and you drive two or three hours to the shipper where you're going to load your truck you sit at their dock or on their facility waiting for a crane for three or four hours you've already got half your day in okay now it's lunchtime um the government has put these restrictions on you you can only drive for 11 hours per day you can only be on duty 14 hours a day um and so uh, truck drivers only make money when the wheels are turning, we do not make money while we're sitting waiting for the shipper to help us get our truck loaded. We don't make any money while we're sitting getting unloaded. 
we don't make any money while we're sitting at a truck stop waiting for um, the shipper to call us and say, hey, we're ready for you. So um, it's just a on, on either end of the supp supply chain, all of this waiting has created this bottleneck where truck drivers can't get anything done. Well, why Does that do you make sense? Yeah, but why do you think the American Trucking Association continues to claim that they are sixty to 80,000 truck drivers short? What, what's the purpose of doing that then? That is the big mystery. I have no idea why they want that many more trucks on the road. You can go out and get on Highway 29 in Lynchburg and see that there's plenty of trucks on the road already. Um, one of the groups, the, the ATA is the big group. Um, uh, but you can look at some other groups that um, service and and lobby for some of the uh, for the like the smaller companies and owner operators like uh, owner operators and independent drivers association. If you log on to their their website and look at some of their articles that they have um, put out there, they're going to say the same thing I'm saying that there is definitely not a, sh a shortage of drivers. They've been telling us this ever since deregulation in the uh, late '70s that we need more truck drivers. And now they're trying. Now they're trying to pass a law to where eighteen-year-olds can drive a truck across state lines. And I don't think any of us want eighteen-year-olds just two two years into driving a regular vehicle out here operating a vehicle that weighs eighty thousand pounds. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a good idea. What What's the legal age now? Is it twenty-one? Twenty-one. Yep. Well, you went through and most and most and most big companies won't let you drive for them until you're twenty-three. You went but through, yet the government wants 18-year-olds. Yeah, you went through a lot of uh, problems that truck drivers face being on the road, the long hours, the times that they have to wait without getting paid, and uh, sounds like a pretty miserable job to me, which would indicate to me that there would be a truck driver shortage problem. So you're not making it sound like a glamorous <laughs> lifestyle where you know everybody's at the door waiting to hop into a, you know a... 18 wheeler. Well, there's 8.9 million workers in the transportation industry. Three and a half million of those are actual sit in the seat of a truck, truck drivers. There's 400,000 people every year getting brand new CDL licenses. I don't know how we fit all these people on the highways, to be honest with you. Um, and, and more and more trucks, that just drives the, uh, the price down per mile that the driver is going to get paid on. So their cost of living goes down. In fact, one of the stats I have is that in 1980, taking inflation and, and everything in, intact, a truck driver would make equivalent today of $110,000 a year. That's a good living. That's a great, that's a great career for a blue collar worker. Today, the average salary is $40,000 a year. And you're gone 240 nights out of the year, oh, not yeah. seeing your family. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a that's a horrible decrease in pay, if you ask me. That that's a hard pill to swallow. That's why I say that trucking really isn't a profession. Most of these people who are in trucking, they love the lifestyle. They they can afford to be gone. They you know they and the turnover rate. We didn't even talk about that. For it's it's a whole lot less for small companies like mine and for owner operators. But for these large, big companies that have thousands and thousands of trucks, their turnover rate is 94%. That means they're getting rid of everybody every year and, and replenishing them with, with new blood.
it just doesn't make sense. They need to uh, get wages up and they need to make um, the work environment so much better than what it is right now. Says there's plenty of applicants waiting in line to become yes. truck drivers is what you're saying. Yes, so, there is. Yep. So that's what's preventing the shortage. But it still doesn't sound like a very glamorous uh, lifestyle. You were telling me uh, before we went on the air that um, I brought up, you know, uh, one of the developments is that a lot of the ships are now trying to arrive in New Jersey and New York rather than taking their cargo out to L.A. and Long Beach because of the backup there. But uh, you're saying that a lot of truck drivers uh, will refuse to actually go to do those New York ports. Uh, can you explain? Um, yes. Uh, one, one of the things when I uh, uh, interview a driver to come on board with us, one of the very first questions that come up is that, do you go to the Northeast, meaning New York City, New Jersey, uh, these places up there? It's just a horrible environment to drive in. The streets get narrow, or the people are not as friendly. Um, the the, um, <clears throat> the uh, policemen are more mean. The, the DOT that, that stops you and, and um, inspects your truck, they're worse off. The fines are more expensive. Um, one of the roads that we go to when we go to um, Stanton Island to a customer of ours, the toll is $60 just to go across the bridge. So, mm. I mean, it's just, it's not a good place to go. And most everybody that I talk to about a job, they don't want to go up there. Yeah, explain, so I can see why there would be a shortage up there. <laughs> explain right. again, you were telling me how, uh, I guess it's New York City where you're not allowed to idle uh, your truck. Yes, that's that's an, another thing. I, I, um, once you get past about uh, the truck stop in Breezewood, Pennsylvania, heading heading north to New York, uh, there are signs all over rest stops, truck stops, anywhere that you even at shippers where you have to 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 stay overnight maybe because you're getting loaded early in the morning. There are signs that uh, you will be ticketed if you idle your truck overnight. Well. And that also, they, they're starting also, some of these truck drivers have small generators so that they can run heat and AC. You're not even allowed to run those small diesel generators anymore like you used to. So now you're in either the dead of winter or in the heat of August, and you have no heating or air conditioning um, unless, get this, and this is our government, unless you have a pet. In your, in your truck, you can idle your truck overnight and not get a ticket. So wow. they value pets life, which I, I have tons of pets too. I love my pets, but they value a pet's life more than a, than a driver's life. So it, 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 it kind of seems like they're just making laws to make it harder on truck drivers. Like there's nothing there to help them like at all. No, <laughs> I, I'm just wondering how many truck drivers who hate pets go get one just so they can stay warm in the I'm, winter. I'm wondering, I'm, I'm fortunate that our company does not go to the Northeast very often. So we don't have to worry about it too much. Um, but that I have dealt with it over the years. Um, I've tried to get loads covered by other companies to go up there. Um, I would, I would call a driver, uh, or put it on a load board and try to move a load and it would be re a really good load paying really good money. And they're like, you know, I just, uh, I, I can't go up there because number one, the tolls, 
um, uh, and idling. I can't idle up there overnight. It's, you know, it's 100 degrees in the middle of August or it's, you know, negative 32 in, you know, the middle of February. So, Bob, I heard that DeSantis offered to help in, in Florida to open up some of the ports down there. Is that anything that you're aware of? Have you seen that that's kind of helped things a little bit? I have see, I seen the um, press conference when he offered to um, uh, use the ports in South Florida and in Jacksonville to relieve some of the um, uh, um, containers off the off the West Coast. Um, and then and so I looked up some of the stats on that. And so at the time, Long Beach and Los Angeles had over 100 container ships anchored offshore and this and miami and fort lauderdale um at the time it had one ship that had to anchor within the last six months so they're doing something right in florida and i don't know why they don't want to reroute some of that product to be offloaded there well they all have um, to go through the panama canal though right in order to get to florida if they're yeah. already over there uh, yeah, yeah that's that that would be the route yeah so so, I don't know what it costs to make a trip through the Panama Canal, but it can't, it's probably not cheap. Well, and uh, those containers are costing quite a bit per day to be on a ship, too. So if you have to add four or five more days and you got uh, – I don't, some of these uh, ships could carry up to like 5,000 containers now or, or 25,000, I think is what I've read. I may be wrong on that. But uh, you're starting out up the cost of each one of those containers on a ship to go from – you know, L.A. down to Florida, that, of course, would just uh, be quite prohibited, but also it would add to the inflation, which is something we haven't talked about because we hear a lot about the supply chain crisis and products not getting to your doorsteps. Uh, but also dovetailing into this is the inflation. And the reason why inflation is going up so high is because of the supply chain crisis. You know, uh, people have products that they want to sell you, but they don't have enough of those products. And when that happens, they just charge more for those products. So if the containers are going to cost more to be on those ships, well, they're going to pass that cost off to the customer as well, which makes for greater inflation. Um, so, I, you know, I'm looking at this saying that there's a lot of pieces to this puzzle. I will agree uh, with Biden in a sense that it is a complicated scenario that we're currently facing. I don't think uh, you have to be, you know, a doctorate of economics to understand it. It takes some time to understand it. Uh, but some of it's absolutely sort of, I guess, laughable. I mean, look at it, you know, new cars, you can't have a new car right now. All the dealers are, uh, all the car manufacturers in the United States aren't making cars because they cannot get uh, the chips for the cars. And who created that problem? Well, our government created that problem. When they sent everybody home during COVID and people couldn't get out, they didn't buy cars. And when they didn't buy cars, the car manufacturers said, well, we're just not going to make as many cars as we normally make. And if we're not going to make as many, we don't have to order as many chips to be sitting in our warehouse for cars that are not going to be made. But what happened? People sitting at home decided they're going to buy TVs and they're going to buy gaming consoles, which require the similar chips. So now the chip makers are selling all those chips to, uh, uh, to the gaming manufacturers. And when the car industry started back up again, 
The chip manufacturer said, oh, sorry, but uh, all the chips are gone. So now you can't get your car. Uh, so it, it really is like a, a domino, and it branches off into many different rabbit tra tra trails that uh, is making, I guess, life miserable for a lot of Americans. Right, and, and, and I think that's, you know, that goes to the reason why uh, used cars are costing so much now as well. Yeah, so used cars are at a premium, right? Yeah. Um, and probably become well, how even about How about gasoline? Um, Jason, how much is gasoline in Lynchburg now? Well, I mean, we're, we're way, for regular gasoline, we're way over. I think I paid $3.40, three forty-five this afternoon. Yeah, we're probably uh, about three, fuel. 329 here. Something like that, three twenty. Yeah, the diesel fuel is always more expensive than gasoline, and the average truck um, consumes twenty thousand five hundred gallons of fuel per year. So, just imagine a year ago, under the Trump administration, we were looking at under three. Sometimes, some states, South Carolina has low taxes on fuel into twos, two dollars for fuel. Now we're spending almost double. I told Marty the other day, one of my problems is, is that we're literally almost spending $1,000 per week per truck more this year than we did last year. That's crazy. Yeah, but what makes that, even though that will sound horrible to a lot of the listeners, what that makes it uh, even worse for you is that your trucking company and a lot of trucking companies are bound by contract with the people they're delivering to uh, for the prices that uh, were there prior it, it, to the inflation it, of it the gas takes prices. Long, it takes a while to change the rates. Sure, we can add a fuel surcharge, but that's that's just passing it on to the next person. That's causing everybody to pay more. So I don't want to charge my customer a, a 10 or 20% fuel sur surcharge because fuels went up. That's just gonna that's just gonna make I, I haul for the paper industry. That's just gonna make your toilet paper that much more expensive. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand it completely. Um, and uh, I'm just wondering what kind of solution is out there that can make this crisis go away. I uh, know that the Biden administration just sent out another stimulus package of money to yeah. people with uh, children. And uh, now they're going to be using that money to go back out and start buying more things, which means more is going to come in, in the country. And we still have a uh, shortage of a workforce out there uh, to be able to handle uh, all the goods that are now coming in. I was surprised to see that in August, uh, just a couple of months ago, 4.3 million workers quit their jobs. It was the biggest exit from the job workforce in the history of this country. That's 4.3 million people said, I don't need to work anymore. I can just sit home. I can collect the unemployment and the other benefits and the stimulus packages rather than have to go get a job. And when we're talking about uh, the port uh, that is going to receive all these goods that people are buying online, uh, if they're not working, that's a problem. And now they have to hire other people to fill those jobs. And those new people coming in are not that well-trained in order to make the ports run very fluid. Um, uh, you've gone into ports before, right, Bob? Well, what's your experience like being in those ports? Well, let me tell you, I, we don't generally go into the ports, but a few years back, we landed a contract. Um, it was a short-term thing for about two or three months. And we were actually, 
uh, load. We were picking up a container in the port of Savannah, um, an empty container, and we were running that empty container to uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, where it got. We sat and waited for it to be loaded uh, with rolled roofing, going to Dubai. So we would turn around and go back to Savannah. Um, that would take. It, it was a really good deal, but it would take two days because these ports are like small, tiny cities. And if you don't haul out of the port every single day, like I had, and I had to figure out the system. Um, I mean, you have to check in here and you have to check in here. Um, you have to have a Twit card. Um, in my certain situation, I didn't have a Twit card to even go in the port. I had a passport, but a passport isn't good enough for somebody working in transportation. You have to have a Twit card. Uh, similar to the pass that you do when you go through the express lane when you're going um, through TSA for the airports. Um, so anyways, I had to hire somebody who had a Twit card, and there's guys who sit there at the port, and I got to know a guy, so I had to call him ahead of time. He had to jump in my truck, actually go in the port with me, go find the container that was supposed to be loaded, this whole time, you're supposed to know which aisle way you're going down. These, like I said, these these ports are like uh, like New York City to this country boy. You know, you don't know where you're going inside there, and there's roundabouts going. So I'd spend almost all day either picking up a container or dropping one off, and then spend all night making the 250 mile trek back to Spartanburg, South Carolina, because that container needed to be back the next day. So, so what I'm trying to get at is they are not run very efficiently. And I can see where there's a problem now with, um, especially if there's any decrease in any type of uh, personnel at the ports, um, I can see where it could bottleneck. I mean, so easily. I mean, it's crazy. Well, they got empty containers just lying around and some of these ports because there's no one to, well, they did. To pick did, them you up. Hear, did you hear that? They, um, they actually uh, passed an ordinance in long beach to where they could stack the containers higher because they, they, they literally would not let you stack a container over like two or three high. Well, over here in Savannah, they stack containers. Shoot, they're, they're like sky rises, uh, stacked full of containers. Um, but I guess in California, they had, to, had a law that they couldn't stack them. And I guess either the mayor or the guy, I forget who it was, they changed it uh, just so that they could put these containers somewhere that were sitting around everywhere. I know we're about <laughs> running out of time, and I think uh, I want you to address this uh, statement made on NBC by the host Tiffany Cross, and she says that uh, blacks do not want to become truck drivers because truck drivers are racist. So I'm going to read mm. you directly her quote, all right? This industry is populated by a lot of white men over the age of 55. This group of people overwhelmingly voted for Trump. So obviously, the more populated it is with people of color, I think you'll see less of that. But how can you encourage people to come out and disrupt this space when it seems a bit unwelcoming? So basically, in a nutshell, she's saying that uh, people of color, uh, black people in particular, are afraid to become truck drivers because it's full of white men over the age of 55 who are Trump supporters who are going to treat them badly. What, what do you got to say about that? Well, obviously, she's never been in a truck stop because if you go in a truck stop, it is literally almost 
50-50 between African-American, white. There's, there's so many different races of folks that come to this country and think that trucking is the, the American dream and that they can, uh, you know, stake their claim in it and, and make a good living. Okay, so we seem to, and a lot of okay. them are doing it, but the conditions are bad, and they work every day. Am I still there? Yep, yeah, you're, you're here. Yep, you're here. You're here. Uh, okay, so, so, so there's all that that statement is complete. Yeah, I guess our band false. And band I'll be honest with you, yeah, there there are a lot of. Tr you're good. Am I gone? Yeah, no, you're good. I'm good. Okay. Um, I I would say that there are a lot of truck drivers who are Trump supporters. Uh, but the majority of the uh, uh, African-American truck drivers who I've met, they're also tr uh, Trump supporters as well. Uh, Bob, so you don't think that racism is coming into play with this whole supply chain shortage then, do you? N not at all. <laughs> yeah, I was not watching. I was she, watch needs, she needs to visit. The, the, she needs to go out in the middle of the country and visit a couple of truck stops. Yeah, that might that might do her well. Yeah, I was watching Tucker Carlson. He had a young African-American guy on who's a truck driver, and he said that he's had no experience with racism in the industry. He's even done a little survey with older African-Americans, and they've seen no problem. So so, you, so you're telling us that, that uh, the mainstream media is giving false information. Is that what you're saying? I, I know it's hard to believe. But it I is. Believe that that, means, <laughs> that means trying to convince us that California is passing senseless laws. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, but a lot of it can be read into this lady's statement, right? That, you know, you are a racist if you're white, if you're over 55, if you are a Trump supporter. Therefore, and you must be driver. an intimidating and a truck driver, right? right. Then you yeah. have to be a racist. Sounds like another poor Jeff Foxworthy kind of kind of joke. Pastor, I remember uh, uh, not too long ago when I first met you, you said that uh, you are colorblind. And I remember when you said that, uh, and I, I kind of bit my lip because I was thinking, how is it possible to be colorblind in today's society? Because you are forced to see everything based on a person's skin color now. Uh, you're constantly having to defend yourself uh, if you're over 55, which I am, if you're white, which I am, if you are a Trump supporter, with, which I am, that you are a racist. They are putting color out there. And, that, and again, this is applied just like you were saying, that if they can uh, directly link the supply chain to being some type of white Trump-supporting racist conspiracy— Indeed, they'll do that. And that statement is exactly what they're trying to do there. So I don't think you can be colorblind anymore because everything is seen through the prism of color everywhere you go just about. Well, look, they're, they're looking to make everything whatever they want it to make. Just because that's the case, that doesn't mean that we have to follow suit. Look at Kyle Rittenhouse, for instance, right? This kid was locked up for 87 days in the juvenile detention center, and they want to claim white privilege, right? This, this young boy, 18-year-old kid, he killed or uh, he shot um, you know, a, a, a white man, and they're claiming he's a white supremacist. So just because they're giving this false narrative doesn't mean that we have to see through it. So I'm going to reject all their, their racist garbage. I fit two of the criteria. I'm a white man. I'm a Trump supporter. A couple years younger than 55. I don't drive a truck. Mm -hmm. Doesn't make me a racist. Right. 
Well, I, I understand what you're saying, uh, but I do understand that everything seems to be based on color nowadays. And, uh, and to try to be colorblind is almost impossible because people are watching their P's and Q's and they're being forced to watch your P's and Q's because if you do, you say something, it's going to be looked at, well, I don't know, you're white, you know. Here's how old you are. You're a Trump supporter. You must be uh, making this decision based on some uh, racist undertone that's in your head. Um, anyway, I'm kind of getting fed up uh, looking at everything through the, the lenses of color. And uh, maybe it's just my job and I have to see it all day long. But uh, it's it's pretty wearing on you. And I would think, Bob, this, this is kind of like, you know, truck drivers have it bad enough as it is out there being away from their families, their home, their loved ones, having to be on the road, trying to find where they're going to eat every night, how they're going to stay warm in some cases, where they're, you know, uh, getting a very large load to the next destination w without any problems, wondering about, you know, uh, you know, just the fact of uh, all the traffic out there that they got to monitor. I mean, I wouldn't want to every day wake up and go through eight hours of uh, traffic every day. Um, but uh, I, I think people underestimate how difficult a job it is to be a truck driver without the mainstream media trying to imply that uh, somehow they are racist and contributing to the supply flow problem because, of, uh, gosh, if they weren't racist, there'd be more black truck drivers, and therefore there'd be more trucks to deliver the goods. It just boggles the mind at times. So Yeah, it's um, defi definitely um, a, 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 a puzzle to why they believe that. Well, I think that we, we kind of hit on all the uh, main points of this supply chain crisis problem for dummies, like, you know, everybody's sitting here. We try to figure <laughs> it out. And uh, Bob's got a little bit more experience than the rest of us. He has to actually, you know, move this stuff back and forth to different destinations. Uh, we just sit around and buy it and hope it arrives at our house. So, um, so the next time Biden says we're just too dumb to understand it, well, how about you listeners? Can you understand it now a little bit better than you understood before? I do hope so. So uh, stay tuned for our next episode of Shout Out Patriots. I hope that everybody comes back. And Jason, I really appreciate you being here. And Bob, thanks for coming on our show. And Michael, you know, thanks for all the hard work of flipping all those cameras back and forth and we were having some problems with the audio from uh, the Zoom call from... That wasn't my fault. Bob, but it wasn't your fault, I know. <laughs> we can't blame Michael for that one. <laughs> I, I, I want to make a crack a joke about it, but not. I'll just <laughs> leave it at, at this. Yeah, just leave it at <laughs> just that. Leave it I'm at still it. hitting buttons here. No. I'm just going to leave it on me. Sign off before I get myself me. in trouble. It's just me from now on. Modern day problems. Modern day problems. All right, well, thanks, Bob. Bob, thanks for joining yeah, us thank tonight. You. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Nice meeting you. Yeah. That's a wrap for us.